Welcome back to episode 23 of the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Today I have Mark Davidson with me. We're going to go over the small unit leadership in the fire service. Mark, thank you for joining us and uh, give everyone a quick uh, introduction to who you are. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, any chance that I get to uh, run my soup cooler about uh, fire service leadership and 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 some of the things that I feel like would would make us uh, better at our trade and our craft, I'm, I'm just really thrilled. So I appreciate the opportunity, Mike. Uh, I guess a quick rundown about myself, uh, 28 years uh, on the job in Fairfax County, currently a safety officer, uh, spent uh, 19 of that assigned uh, to busy houses on the line as an engine truck driver, uh, truck officer, uh, sometime on relief, and then uh, eventually as a shift leader. Um, with that, I also spent a total of eight years in our training division a couple stints in basic and uh, had an op a crazy opportunity to stand up uh, our officer development training section for the organization. Uh, before that, uh, spent eight plus years uh, dressing like a tree uh, in the Marine Corps. Um, got a lot of unique opportunities out of that. Uh, I guess the, the biggest thing that I try and, and, and tie the two worlds together is that between the uh, it ends up being about 30 years of public service because there was a couple years volunteering in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Maryland in between all that. Uh, altogether, I've either been in a small unit environment or been teaching people to how to operate in a small unit environment for basically my adult life. And uh, with that comes came some incredibly uh, hard knock uh, learning experiences uh, plus some really good ones, stuff that informed me even to today. And I still consider myself a, a student of the craft, no matter what. But uh, particularly when we talk about small unit leadership, I feel like I'm learning something new every day. Well, thank you for that. Um, you know, it's, some, it's very interesting that you said that you still feel like you're a student every day. And, and I'm not saying this with a lack of confidence, but I feel like I'm never ready enough or prepared, or I don't feel like I'm where I want to be as far as my level of abilities or proficiencies as an, as an officer, as a leader, as a firefighter. I feel like I need to do better. I always feel like, I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like it, I'm chasing that never ending level of, I need to keep going, you know? And I think that's something that resonates a lot with the listeners that I have, um, you know, some of the people that reach out and a lot of people uh, reach out that are firefighters too. And you know, as well as I do, leadership is not um, just about title. There's informal leadership, there's leadership up and down the chain of command, and everything is complex and has its uh, rung in the ladder. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the small unit is going to be made of uh, leaders and followers. So mm -hmm. I know that you teach a lot about uh, small unit leadership. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get started with that. And the uh, floor is yours, sir. Yeah, to me, the you, you hit on a couple of things there. The, 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 I think the most critical one is that in the fire service, a small unit is the unit, is the, is the truck, the rescue, the engine, the ambulance, the medic company. That is the small unit. And that is, the act, that is absolutely the linchpin for the fire service. 
if if success does not happen on the floor at the firehouse, it doesn't happen. Uh, as as a, a extension of that, I you know you get guys that'll snivel about anything. I mean, it could literally be rainbows and puppy kisses outside, and they're just crying the blues. And uh, yep. to 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 me, <laughs> yeah. that that is that is something that's actually can be influenced as a direct leader. And that's the, the fundamental truth. That's where small unit leadership, that's the crucible. Uh, when a organizational or strategic level leader is having a bad day or even makes a bad decision, those ripples in the pond, the repercussion from that takes days, weeks, months to occur. And, and even if that leader is having just a fundamentally bad day, uh, in a sense, nobody's going to know about it. They close the office door. They reach under the desk, the right drawer in the back. There's probably a bottle of some liquid that's going to help knock the edge off. They can even cry under their desk. <laughs> but at, at the small unit level, on the comp- at the company officer level, you don't have that ability. You can't hide. You are right where the problem is. Your decisions are viewed in real time. The decisions that you make, the repercussions from that, uh, are within seconds or minutes. And, and fundamentally, while organizational and strategic level leaders will argue about the vision and, and where the, the ship is going and turning, that's, that's crucial. Uh, you need people who are effective to do that. I'm not arguing against that. But what I am arguing is that at the end of the day, whatever those decisions are, that vision, those decisions they make, uh, when they trickle down to that small unit leader, that is success or failure for that organization. Without their ability, without their skill, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if like literally if the organization had policy number one, don't suck. Okay, that that's a great policy. That's a That's a great mission statement. Rule number one, we will not suck at what we do. How does that get interpreted? In the firehouse, how does that company officer, that unit leader, take that and do something with it? And I always tie it in uh, with how they're trained and educated. The problem in the fire service fundamentally is that we do not invest in training and educating the company officer. And that is the seeds oftentimes of the failure uh, of organizations, small, large, and in between. Sure. You know, it... Trying to think how to say this. It it gets very frustrating, I think, from our level, from being, you know, as a company officer. It gets very frustrating where, you know, you're held you could walk you walk in day one, excuse me, and you're held to the level of expectation as if you knew everything they want you to know at a proficient level without being provided the um the path to get there, right? So the tools to get there, right. So you know, quite frankly, or quite commonly, they typically give you the objective and they'll say to you, you need to get here. And this is your roadmap, right? I was never in the military. I'm not in any way claiming to be at all. But what I do know is when you have any form of school, any education, whether it's anything in leadership, specific military MOSs, uh, special forces, all that stuff, they have the end goal of the title. You're in the Marines, so we'll, let's we'll we'll make it a little bit easier. The title of United States Marine, 
from the second you ship in and you get off the bus and you stand out front on the yellow footprints, there is a roadmap from day zero to day, and you, you'll have to fill in the number of days for me because I don't know, um, from when you are graduating and they, and you're done, right? Right. It's all planned out. Mm-hmm. Now, think about that. In the fire service, in my experiences and, and what I've seen in talking to people, very few places will say, hey, in five years, you're going to be qualified to be an officer. Do you want to be one or not? Because we're not the military. You can't come in as a commissioned officer from like going to University of Maryland. And then you come out and you are qualified to be an officer. You get hired by the fire department. They drop you into engine one and they're like, go. That's not a thing, right? Mm -hmm. We don't do that. We don't, nothing. They come in and they're say something to the effect of, hey, um, congratulations. This is when you start. You may or may not get an officer candidate school. I had an officer candidate school and it wasn't bad, but it added the link of things I was not responsible for before that I'm now responsible for now administratively. Mm-hmm. But the whole, everything else was not there. We come in, we're like, hey, do you, uh, you want to get promoted? All right, cool. Um, here's your test. This is what you study. Uh, good luck. Take your test. And you do a third party assessment, you get an eligibility list. And then it's, all right, cool, go forth and conquer. Mm-hmm. However, you there, there will not be, oh, you're a new officer. Hey, no big deal. You screwed up. No. There's things that have repercussions, legal, legal ramifications. And I'm not just saying administrative stuff. You're still responsible for lives, property, and all those things in the citizens of the area in which that you work. Yeah, you hit on it right there because fundamentally the citizen doesn't know and truly doesn't care that you got promoted five minutes ago. All they see is a fire truck in a uniform and, you know, that classic line of their expectation is that four, three, four, five uh, Olympic athlete road scholars are going to jump off that thing and solve all their problems within (laughs) seconds. That's all they know. And so that idea of expectations is critical, but tying back into that path, uh, I, you know, I, I'll say this, I'll, I'll argue this into the ground. If the, if the U.S. military, the training and education uh, path that they took was uh, parallel to the fire services, we would be like the French and get our asses kicked all day long. We, we would just sure. lose consistently. Sure. Because we, uh, had, we don't fundamentally invest. When you look at the average training division budget or, you know, and obviously different scale that to different organizations throughout the American Fire Service. And even that becomes a discussion about how just incredibly diverse it is and what it looks like. But whether you have a training division, a training officer, whatever training function you have, almost without exception, the fire service, it is 80 to 90 percent exclusively dominated by basic training probationary training, the newest employee in that organization. And again, I don't give a shit whether it's volunteer career. That's not the point. Those new members have a path. They have that expectation of the yellow footprints. You're a volunteer company. You have a task book. Hey, every weekend or duty week or whatever, you're going to come in your career member. You show up on training day one, you go through, you're going to have a typically some sort of probationary process. That investment is outsized compared to how you train an officer. 
And when you think about the fact that even uh, if we look at the certifications that are required are so basic and almost dumbed down to then take a test or depending on where you're at, be voted on. And now you're in leadership. That path is almost designed as a path for failure because it's never substantive. It's never truly about what the job is. Your experience was very similar to mine. I spent four days in the basement of company one, listening to a, a parade of deputy chiefs that came in and talked about the administrative stuff that they did every day. Some of them were trying to sell their programs. Uh, we didn't even cover how to uh, effectively write evaluations. We did no tactical, none, no decision-making, no tactical components. And at the end of those four days, like you said, Go forth sure. and conquer. Sure. And, and that is so incredibly flawed that we would spend that much time, effort and resources on a new employee, but we won't spend the same time, effort and resources on a new officer. And they are parallel, the, you, you know, without the expectations. You expect the probie to get off the rig with their helmet on backwards. You expect the probationary officer to somehow just have their entire package ready to roll day one. And it's not realistic when you haven't underpinned it with a, a significant effort towards training and education in every aspect of what they need. Yeah. And you can't, you have to build, it's just like building a house. And, and I feel like I've said this a thousand times. It's like building a house. You can't expect a house to be stable when you start with the roof or mm -hmm. you don't build that strong foundation without cracks, without, uh, and everything square without the concrete set, a firm, strong foundation, and then expect to, you know, hang walls, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's just not going to work. And then progressively all the way up, as you build a house, if anything is off center, not plumb, all those things, you're going to start seeing the cracks and the waves, and you're going to start seeing the deficiencies, the blemishes. Maybe I just said the same thing twice, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no. yeah. especially over time. It, 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 when you buy a brand new house from pick a contractor developer, you're like, this place is genius. Give it a year. Give it two years. Give it five years. That's when all the crappy construction will show itself. Sure. And that's where that whole, maybe not the house of cards um, metaphor, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, it's, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head about over time. And that's the mm -hmm. other thing is depending on, where the problem is, is it an easy fix or is it a hard fix? Is it superficial or is it something that's going to bring the roof down? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say in reality, very few things will bring down the entire house. And the best part about the analogy is there is no house that does not have a blemish that still stands, that is still sturdy, that is still strong. So yeah. That's all built, and that's resiliency. Yeah, right. That's resiliency. Yep. That's all built from a strong foundation. You know, yep. I, I think, I think it just it's it's a matter of a strong foundation. It, yeah. it really it really is, and and to form that, and that, and to go back to the and to go into the small unit stuff, that foundation starts with you as the officer. You know, I want to pivot a little yep. bit, and, and let's yep. get into, into that. Yeah. You know, that starts with you as the company officer. That starts with, you know, how you carry yourself, the way you talk, the way you interact with other people. Yeah. You know, they're always going to, they're going to rise to your expectation or fall to theirs. So let's get, I want to get into the, the small unit stuff and 
Yeah. Um, so one of the things you talked about earlier essentially was what ends up being commander's intent. As a small unit leader, that becomes one of your most important principles, guiding principles that you have to adhere to. Uh, and it speaks to the, the foundational part uh, because it starts with expectations. You have to, as that small unit leader, set the expectations. The, the problem is that most uh, people in the fire service, without knowing what it is, hear commander's intent, which is essentially the concept that you are empowering your troops to do the tasks that need to be done without you directly having to tell them. What that gets translated to very quickly, like people that don't understand what that is, is freelancing. They just, to them, commander's intent is the equivalent or leads to freelancing because you're, you're telling me, you're telling me that my, my firefighter, my bucket firefighter, my driver is going to do things without me having to say anything. And the difference between freelancing and commander's intent starts with expectations. And it finishes with that foundational element of training and, and the final piece that the military truly adheres to, especially in effective small unit environments, is tolerance. And a lot of people are like tolerance, tolerance for failure, because if you set the expectation, you train the hell out of it, there's going to be times where there will be failure. So I always use as an example, we get on scene, there's smoke puffing from the Charlie side. I, I've, I've done the training with my troops for the firefighters to read smoke. I've done the training with the driver to understand that, hey, this is how this is going to roll. I'm going to take a lap around back. If you hear me as I do my Fairfax 500, I get around to the Charlie side and you hear me talk about fires on the Charlie side. This is where we're going to begin our attack, dish it off to command, do whatever I got to do. The firefighter should already be moving from the Alpha Bravo, Alpha Delta corner to the Charlie side. I don't have to say anything. They already know it's been trained. The driver is going to do the 1001, 1002. As soon as they see him disappear, boom, they're already charging the line. So that by the time we take a knee on the Charlie side, there's already water coming. That firefighter can start hitting whatever's visible within seconds. That creates commander's intent. That's not freelancing. Or even, and this is where it gets really weird, even the idea that if I'm taking that, that lap, as I come around back front, I don't want that firefighter just sitting there waiting for me to tell some, tell them something. If they see smoke pushing out of a certain point, I don't care if it's a five-second probe. Tell me about it. Let me hear what you have to say. And that morphs into crew resource management, which is another critical concept. Tell me what you saw. Because even if you are not sure what you saw, but there's something you're not comfortable with, say it. My, my, my role is to take that intel, that information, process it, and make a decision. Just because you saw smoke pushing out of the gable vent, we may or may not change what we're going to do. But if you're thinking, I can't say anything, then that's where failure starts. So that idea of commander's intent and allowing that tolerance for failure to occur, because in that scenario, a lot of things could happen. That sure. as I get around back, that firefighter doesn't move when I told them to or when I announce it or the, 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 the driver doesn't charge the water as quickly. And I think one of the most important parts of this is the idea that we have fire service leaders who assume yelling is a leadership skill. 
because if it doesn't happen, they're like, they lose their shit. They go 212 right away. They're sitting there already screaming, which is not effective because now we're not achieving the mission. And the understanding that, you know, aside from the fact that maybe your troop made a mistake, who else could have made a mistake? You could have. Oh my God. And you, I'm telling you, I have people with this conversation who don't even get to that. They're like, well, the firefighter, maybe the driver, you know, they'll list everybody but themselves. I said, is it possible you were on the wrong channel? I know some of my best size up reports were on the wrong effing channel. Yep. Uh, 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 is it, is it yeah. possible that you uh, did not train that troop properly? And so now the reason they're hanging up isn't for anything that they did. That just the expectations that they should have had set were not effective. And you need to revisit and look inside and go, okay, wait a minute. Was there something I did or did not do? Which yeah. ties in with ultimate responsibility. Sure. And you know, that's funny. It's funny that you said that because I just started grinning and it was, I wasn't laughing at what you were saying. I was laughing at the fact that a lot of the problems that I've had are not a lot, but a majority of the problems that I had where there was a miscommunication between myself and someone else, it was like my ability to effectively and concisely communicate exactly what I wanted. And that's something that I have struggled with a lot and continue to struggle with. And that's not because I can't communicate, but short quick, concise communications in a, in a, a stressful environment is a skill. That is something that I don't want to say either you can do it or you can't, but you either get by or you're very good at it. And I don't, I really don't think there's a middle, are you either you're efficient or you're not? I don't think there's a, I don't really don't think there's a middle ground. And I wanted to touch on a couple of things that you brought up. Mm -hmm. Um, most of all, it's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. You could say everything in the world. And if, you know, my guy's better, boom, 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 boom. And then your guys don't. Well, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. To take that a little bit further, um, there's a difference between when it comes to not, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. There's a difference between tolerating something and flexibility. And you can be flexible on things as the situation dictates. If you start off with strong, strong communication, efficient, effective, and relevant training, initially and then that can ebb and flow or you know i think the the other uh, analogy i used to i use a lot is a uh, gas and clutch because you know there's a huge difference with you know you're expected to do a b and c a b and c mm -hmm. doesn't get done and they're like why you were it is you have to do that hey lt captain chief whatever it couldn't happen here's why well, it says in black and white that's supposed to happen. Well, we're in a gray area now. We have to be flexible. The situation dictated a different answer. It dictated a different level of execution or um, uh, however you want to say that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what what you said was interesting because you said, hey, uh, that, that art of communication, being able to com communicate quickly, succinctly, especially when we talk about on the fire ground. Sure. Is, 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 is something, it's a skill. It needs to be worked on a, a thousand percent agree. I think if we're talking about specifically about small unit leadership, even on the fire ground, and this is the part that hems people up sometime, even on the fire ground, and that, just so it's clear, fire ground, incident scene writ large. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a cabinetry yeah. or stub toe. There's a lot of them that are stressful. Yeah. Or a it, lot it, more stressful than a, than a house fire, but yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the important part that gets left is not the speaking part. It's not that transmission part. It's the listening part. 
that's where small unit leaders can often fail. Uh, aggressive, I don't even say it because everybody hears about active listening. I call it aggressive listening. Particularly on an incident scene, you need to be listening even more clearly, more aggressively than you would at the firehouse. The firehouse has a million distractors, right? You think about the communications model, interference, you know, we talk about on the fire ground, the communications model for tactical comm with uh, saws running in the background, water flowing, engine sirens, whatever. But that interference is aside from those physical uh, physical uh, interference uh, pieces is also what's going between your ears. If you are so, so ramped up, if you are so in the black, your ability to process information, again, and there's a whole thing about auditory exclusion and we can get into that, but just think about the stressors that are going through your brain that preclude you from clearly listening to somebody who's given you vital information or, and this we can get on this real quick, you have a bias towards somebody. You have a crew member that you're like, ah, this guy, this gal, not quite my cup of tea, not, not quite what I would want. And they tell you something, just could be as clear as day. But they tell you something because already you got built in your head. This is nah, they're they're full of shit or they're probably wrong. That could be the, the keys to the kingdom. The hard part, I believe, is not so much the speaking. It's the listening part. And as an example of that, I always talk about the Mary Pang warehouse fa- uh, fire in Seattle. That was a quadruple line of duty death. And there was a key moment in that incident where the probationary firefighter felt like he could not communicate. He had been as much as told by his very senior, credible, experienced fire officer, when we're on, this, when we're on the job, I don't want to hear a word from you. I, sell you to, I tell you to jump, you say how high. Other than that, shut your pie hole. And in that moment, he sees something that if he had verbalized it to a senior, credible, experienced fire officer, probably would have changed the tactical arrangement that they went in with which subsequently leads to this line of duty deaths. Sure. That was a listening skill, not a, not a speaking skill. Yeah. And I mean that I don't want to go off on a tangent or not a tangent. I don't want to go down a wormhole with that or, you know, insult anyone, but that touches on other parts of leadership. If you create the environment where the rookie or the lowest level person won't talk to you. Yeah. And that ties back into commander's intent um, where your intent needs to be understood by people two levels below you, below your rank, excuse me. So that is a military thing. However, if I'm a station captain, like, so we work 24 72, I'm a station captain. I have three lieutenants. Each lieutenant has seven people under their control. Mm-hmm. I should be able, as a captain, to be able to walk in and hand that to a firefighter. I'm not going to get into our rank structure. We'll just say mm-hmm. firefighter for easy conversation, two ranks, right? Firefighter, lieutenant captain just mm-hmm. easy conversation i should be able to walk in boom here you go little bill the firefighter that's got six months on all the way up to terry the 35 year firefighter all the way up to the three lieutenants everyone should be crystal clear all right our captain expects x y and z these are the levels of what they what he wants done and then our officer will fill in the gap on, while on calls. But when he says execute, we know what to execute because we understand the, um, the commander's intent. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a lot. I'm not a real super sharp on the command philosophy, but in theory, that will be from a little bit higher up 
down. It all meshes together when you start adding in the different layers to where you start breaking those levels down. Um, you look like you have something you want to say. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I, I think it ties right back into the small unit leadership environment. That That is created. It starts with your that lieutenant and those firefighters on there. That's the, the, what he or she creates in there that allows them to speak, that allows them to know that they'll be listened to. Not again, this isn't about everybody gets a hug and everybody has to have feelings. No, that's crap. This is about effective leadership and effective leadership starts with the, with that ability to communicate both up and down, uh, because then that captain's job is to foster that with his small unit, which is those three lieutenants, uh, three or four lieutenants. And, and so at that point, that creates a different small unit environment, which sure. is a little more difficult because now that's distributed. They're not with him or her every day. They are, that now becomes indirect leadership, which is a whole separate category and takes even more skill to do it functionally than I believe in a small unit environment where it's direct leadership where each and every day I can reach out and touch the problem. When things are going wrong, I'm right there. When I make a bad decision, I can see its effects immediately. Sure, and that should be able to allow you to take any any link of the chain out and it can, everything can still function, right? Yeah. You, you know, like, and that I think, at least in my experience is, I should be able to be off for three shifts, four shifts, five shifts, and you wouldn't know any different. We're gonna still perform at high level of proficiency, a high level of uh, discipline, and a high level of uh, production. So that's when you know you succeeded. When it, when you have a small unit environment that can succeed without you being there, that is the ultimate success. That is the mic drop moment for any leader when they know with a fact certain that just because I'm not there, it doesn't mean, oh, daddy's not here. So we just could go yeah. completely off yeah. the rails. Substitute teacher here. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's another, it's another thing where you go to another level as well, where, yeah, because I mean, there's, crews out there that can carry the officer they're also yeah. gonna look great start pulling out links from under underneath them that's when that officer gets tested mm -hmm. um it's not a matter i mean it is a matter of when the crews are good but if you know a real challenge for an officer walk into a walk into a place where people are not on that page and see if you can get them to you know right that ship but what i was one getting most... oh go ahead no go ahead what, what were you gonna say i was gonna say one of the it, it uh, it's funny, uh, this, I never made this connection, even though I lived it, uh, until I had a relief officer come up to me and say, hey, this small unit leadership stuff is awesome. You're whatever, you know, great stuff. But I'm not there to build that. How does that happen? This doesn't apply to me. And in that moment, I pivoted real hard and I said, actually, it does. It, it does. I get that it's more difficult, no question, because you're there on a 6, 12, 24 hour bid and you may not see that crew again for another month, two months. But you, again, going back to the expectations for Mrs. Fictional Mrs. Smith, she doesn't care that you're a relief officer who just yep. got promoted, doesn't know the crew, doesn't know the area. She still expects 100%. And fundamentally, even then, I call it proportional leadership. Even in that 6, 12, 24-hour bid, you lay down the bricks. You build the foundation. You let that crew know that you're engaged, that you give a shit, that you're pushing for better. It doesn't mean you come in and, you know, hey, whatever happened before, I'm in charge, large and in charge. But you uh, uh, effectively go in there and show them that you're engaged. And they will remember that. That will be your first leadership brick in the wall that you're going to build because then you come back again a week, two weeks, a month later. And they're like, 
oh yeah, this guy, he was Johnny on the spot. He, he's doing it right. You've already started building that trust, which is the ultimate currency for all of us. You started building that trust and that is creating that small unit leadership environment, even if you're not there every day. Sure. And that also comes, well, that all ultimately will only start with you, right? That's only going to start with the, with the person in charge and that's your command presence. You know, I think leadership is just as much theater as it is anything else, but you have to have the confidence, the competence and the skill set to back that up. Um, You know, I think that uh, there's been plenty of times, at least in my, oh, real quick, I want to go back to one thing. Yeah. Uh, This this will kind of walk into it as well. Um, the other thing when it comes to leadership and as far as how far you've made it, if you, I don't want to say if you've made it as an officer, but where you really know what level you're at mm-hmm. is when your guys on your crew are not afraid to check you, call yep. you out respectfully because they want to respect you. They want to do things the right way. You know, as Tim Klett said on his episode, and if you guys haven't listened to his episode, go back and listen to it. Go listen to both because it touches on a lot of a lot of what we're talking about. It parallels it. But it's not the same information. Make sure you go back and listen to Tim Klett. But that hot wash, that first hot wash where they come up and, you know, hey, LT, X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They talk to you about it. And, you know, you'd always create the environment to where you can have a healthy confrontation or a healthy uh, not confrontation. That's the wrong word. A healthy yeah. uh, critique. You yeah. know what I mean? Because... <laughs> There is something very, there is something to be said about somebody saying, Hey, can I talk to you? They walk in, you shut the door. They're intentionally going away. They're not calling you out in front of anybody. They're not creating a scene. They're not making the look at me thing. They're not looking around laughing and joking. They're not, you know, on a call like talking about you. Hey, look at this idiot to another firefighter. Like, Mm-hmm. Those are very bad things. If those things are happening, you should, you should address them. But when yep. they pull you in that office and say, Hey, look, man, all due respect, you mm-hmm. need to fix A, B, and C collectively. We're not happy with you. And this is why. And here's an idea of how to, how to get your shit together. You need to get your shit together because we're tired of it. And that and, goes to exactly back to the aggressive listening part, the ability and, to, to shut it down and not react, not because it's difficult for any of us to get told that we're effed up. I mean, and I don't know if I'm allowed to drop F-bombs or not, but if- You can if, say fuck. It's okay. Oh, sweet. Woo! So, adjective, I call it a term of art. Adjective, right. noun, verb, adverb, whatever. So uh, at, at the point where any of us uh, gets reactionary when we're told we're fucked up, I mean, it, it's- yeah. it, you, And the, the, true, the hallmark of a true leader is that ability to put that in check and have the troop come up to you and say, what the fuck? Even yep. if it's that blunt. I, again, I get it. Like you said- Maybe not in front of the troops, respectfully, blah, blah, blah. But, but you need to be able to- I close doors, if I if I screwed up, I need to hear about it. I need to know. And I those those are difficult conversations, but aggressive listening is what dials you into that to just say, all right, bottom line is what are they saying? I don't care if it hurts my feelings. I've got to listen before I start reacting, because you know what? They may be right. And that's important. So yeah, it, well, exactly. So that scenario that I gave you that played out was a scenario that I actually sat through, and uh, because it was, it was me that mm. needed to get my shit together, and it was not fun, and I was pissed off. I was very mad at myself because, you know, if you're gonna honestly give it yourself, if you're gonna give an honest look at that, and you want to improve, you're there for the right reasons. 
those days will come, especially in the small unit environment. When you create, you foster the environment for the people to not be afraid to talk to you. When, when, you know, you have the environment where they want to talk to you, like they want to correct you. They don't want to have a pushover officer. They could just do whatever the hell they want. No, you, you want that environment. And there's something to be said about, you know, allowing that it sucks. It doesn't feel good. It's not fun. But where the dividends pay off is over time, if you just, I don't want to say if you just accept it, but if you eat some humble pie, look in the mirror and go, you know what, they're right, and then just take action and change it, they will see that. The second part to that little, to that scenario that I was telling you about was somebody came to me and said, you know, hey, look, it is kind of, and they, of course, in public, they say it, mm -hmm. and they say it in public, uh, and it's it's in a funny, joking way. You know, it's always pretty funny and, uh, you know, we do appreciate you fixing X, Y, and Z. So my thing, the issue I had was area. Mm -hmm. I was, I was where I was at long enough to not be getting mixed up and lost, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize how often it happened. I just kind of figured it just happened and I was kind of like, me, this isn't fun. This is really embarrassing. Let me just kind of write a couple of notes in the map book. No big deal. Well, it was brought mm -hmm. to my attention very swiftly that that was not the case and it was very bad. And there was a couple calls we got embarrassed on and they did everything right. I personally did not. And, you know, yeah. I was told collectively, we need you to fix this, you know, uh, maybe make your own map book. So I did it. I didn't do it in front of anyone. I just, I went home. I was pissed off. I was like, God damn it. Whatever. So I'm going to yeah. make, I spent a few days doing it, whatever. And I would just bring it in. And then I would spend two hours a day, start from page one flip through, write the running route, read it, draw in which way we come from, all these things. So it's a really, I'll get to it in a second where it's kind of a bit of a, a bad thing, but I go through all that. Then the person jokingly in front of everyone said, you know, it is pretty funny watching you every day grab these two giant, because they're three inch binders and I have two of them. So mm -hmm. I'm not a big guy. So I'm like a little kid going to school with these maps <laughs> every day. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, they kind of jokingly laughed about it or whatever. And they're laughing, making fun of me and like, oh, yeah. what happens if we hide your map books? And I'm like, all right, well, let's get fucking lost. But, yeah. um, you know, what I didn't appreciate or understand over time was they're watching that. They're seeing that. They realize it's happening. Oh, my God. The guy in charge screwed up. We brought this attention, we brought this to his attention. He owned it. He has yeah. to fix it. He actually fixed it, followed through with it, and went to another level with the problem fixed. If he Dude. can do it, we can do it. Dude. If he, if he, well, hold on. If we go to him and he does this, well, if he comes to us, we better listen because he did this for us as well. Yeah. That, it's, it's so critical to do that in the small unit environment. I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. I'm not doing no, that. Either. No, what no. What I'm saying is take a group of outspoken type A personality guys that you spend three quarters of your light or a quarter of your light or whatever the, the factors out into. Yeah. Take all them, put them in an environment where you can die. That changes everything. And then the, 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 the payoff or the, what am I trying to say? The environment that you foster mm -hmm. for that creates ripple effects that will last for years.
you hit on the most important thing, which is your understanding that in a small unit environment, there is nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. In the military, the expression is by the belt. You've got to grab them by the belt, which means that you have to turn into the problem. If you try and run away from it, you, you die tired. Uh, In in the military, for a near ambush, there's a specific immediate action drill where in the ambush, and it seems very counterintuitive and you have to train it, 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 you know, most people be like, in this analogy to the fire service, most people are like, oh, turn and run. We're we're being shot at. The immediate action is you turn into the ambush because your safety, the place where you have the best chance of surviving and not dying tired is by pushing in closer, grabbing it by the belt. And that is exactly, yeah, but, but by moving into what you perceive to be the danger, you're actually better off. And that same dynamic applies in the firehouse. What you said, so critical, any small unit leader, new small unit leader that's coming up should take that in and hang their hat on it. My top 10 list of fuck ups is epic next level. Like I've, I've kicked rocks around the fire, uh, the fire ground, like, Christ, why did I do that? I don't even know why I did it. It seemed like a you know, classic line, Chief. It seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, but you, those are lonely moments that you're a human being, first and foremost. So you know you're going to screw up. There is no such oh. thing as perfection. The key thing is that you're, you're that visibility because they see the screw up, but they also see what you do about it. And if you're one of those people, I won't even use the word leader. If you're one of those people who's in charge and you screw up and you laugh about it and then you just move on like ah, that won't happen again, it is highly visible. Your troops will look at that and say mm-hmm. they don't care. And that fundamentally starts to get to the root of what effective small leaders do. They give a shit. They give a fuck about what is happening and and how they react to it is everything. So when they make that mistake, they don't run away from it. They turn into it. And, and that story you gave is is right on point, right on point. And, you know, the funny part about it is to tie this in a little bit for, or to, uh, I don't want to change, say change feet a little bit, but kind of mm-hmm. um, bring this in a little bit more as well is that's a balance. You shouldn't walk around like you were like, oh, no, I was wrong. You guys, what did I do wrong? Like, no, like yeah. have the balls. Because, or ovaries, or have, <laughs> thank you, have the intestinal fortitude. Yes, there you go. To pull the trigger on your decision. Yeah, I'm not going to get into any details of any kind. There mm-hmm. will come a day where you're going to have to pull that trigger, make a decision in a very uh, tense environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to pull that trigger and everyone's going to say you're wrong, but you know, you're right. Everyone on your team could say you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone in charge of you could say you're wrong. I'm not saying any, in any incident in, at all. I'm, let me clarify that mm-hmm. you're going to pull that trigger and you need to stand behind it. Cause I'm telling you, I don't know how to put this into words, but I've been in situations in my, my, just my life, life experience and, and in my career. Mm-hmm. As a firefighter, as an officer, and because we have to be medics to be officers, mm-hmm. as a medic, mm-hmm. where your mind is going to be, do it, mm-hmm. do it, do it, do it, do it, and you need to listen to that intuition. So you yeah. can't be too humble. Don't be that guy that's like, you know, you can't. 
prioritize whatever the situation is and execute it. You have to execute it by having the confidence and the competence in yourself to know that you're right because you making that decision, you executing it, mm-hmm. they're going to see that and that will pay off dividends. And you know what? If it blows up in your face and let's say the situation didn't work out in your favor, mm-hmm. they're going to know that you made um, you made the decision. You were the officer. You, you were yeah. the leader. You, Cla- you, classic you, line, no, no wrong time to do the right thing. And, and even if it's not popular or even at the time, if it's viewed as, oh, you're a thousand percent wrong, but you, that, that voice is telling you, it doesn't even have to come with a whole lot of experience, but that's where training comes in because you, from a training perspective, you know, Hey, I've done this. That's why, you know, quick example, probies coming out of recruit school sometimes are quote unquote smarter than guys have been on the line for 10, 15, 20 years. Not that they're smarter in that way, but they're more current on the best practice that they've just been taught the latest thing. And so when they come out and say, hey, we're supposed to wear iPro and everybody's giggling at them like, what are you doing wearing those goggles for four eyes? Yeah, well, the first time they get puked on, bled on and, and they're wearing the iPro and the, and the salty veterans getting a splash. And now they've got some god awful disease running around their eyeballs. Hey, sure. that that idea, that recruit had to have that intestinal fortitude, even though he's getting his chops broken to say, no, this is what I was taught to do is beat into my head. I think they're doing it wrong. I'm going to do the right thing. As a small unit leader, you're right. It, it becomes a balance. And that's the one thing I think uh, that, that speaks uh, that, that has to be part of each individual is understanding they can't be 100% of anything. There is no such thing. You're never 100% right. You're never 100% wrong. You can't be 100% autocratic. You can't be 100% democratic. You can't be 100% laissez-faire, pick a leadership style or principle. You can't because it depends on the day, the person, the situation that will dictate which of those things you're going to occupy. And it could be the day, hey, I know this is right. I'm going to stick to my guns. And then your crew says, man, that, that, that. Uh, confidence uh, that is something that we have to 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 uh, we have to respect, and that yeah. respect is everything. That is everything. They're, yeah, they're going to see it, and that touches that touches into what I talked about a little while ago about flexibility, right? Your mm-hmm. your your style of leadership can can change by the minute, by the day, by the call, by the incident. Mm-hmm. Even by the person, really. Yes. You know, the way the Very way much. I the way I lead Dave may be the way I, different than the way I lead Rick. You know what I mean? I may need mm-hmm. to lean on this guy more than this guy because this guy is great when he wants to be. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't want to be, he's not. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that by anybody individual. I'm just saying, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know. It all everything just like a pot of water. Everything boils or. A pot of water boils from the bottom. So just like in the fire service, when you break the fire service down to its most basic level, it is the firefighter pulling a handline, putting out a fire. Everything and anything else is always secondary, right? It's all it's all support, mm-hmm. which means fire service officers, fire service leaders are just that. They're a support. They're 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 there to support the, the mission to take you from A to Z, tell you to get to Z, and just kind of guide you along the way. It's almost like a, um, 
oh man, what's that sport called? Curling, right? Mm-hmm. All you are doing when you're curling, you have the target at the end of the ice, mm-hmm. right? You're the <laughs> officer. You got the little rock, whatever that rock is. Yeah. The firefighters got the rock. Bad analogy. Firefighters got a rock, right? Uh, the, other, the other other firefighters, they're you with the little the little scrubber thing and the slidey right, shoes. Right, the firefighters right, right. are the other guy with this with the scrubby shoes and the and the or the this the shoes and the, the scrubby thing. And you set it into motion. That rock mm-hmm. is your cult, your goals or your 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 team, your your whatever you need to get done, whatever it is. Target's over mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And all you're doing with your with with mm-hmm. your firefighters. Is you scrub, 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 and get mm-hmm. into that target, right? So it starts. This is the point. It starts with the firefighters. Mm-hmm. How they get there. That's on them. They are the power behind it getting there. And all yeah. you do is finesse, Just scrub, 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 all the way down, and you stop. And you know what? Hopefully, you bump somebody else's rock out of the way, and mm-hmm. then, yeah. you know, it's your time to shine. But your yeah. goal, your goal is accomplished, right? Those other stones will be the hiccups in your way that you need to finesse more to complete your goal and go beyond them. And how do you do that? That scrubbing speeds the rock up, slows the rock down, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, it, and it's the idea you're, you're hitting on. Bit? Yeah. No, the idea you're hitting right. on. I've never, I've never heard curling as an analogy for the fire service or leadership, but I'm a thousand percent in. I'm a thousand percent in. So yeah, it's about influence. It's about influence. How you how you exert that influence is everything. And and to your point, it depends on the person, depends on the time, it depends on the place. Uh, I talk about a buffet style of leadership because some days you need to be the autocrat a thousand percent. But other days you may need a little bit of laissez faire, a little bit of the democratic style, a little bit, a little bit of that. Just like you go to a buffet. Some days it's all crab legs. Some days you want the chicken with cashews. It it depends. And that it, that how you exert that influence is really the art. Because if it was a science, you would say on an average day, the leader needs to express 20 percent autocratic leadership, 10 percent laissez faire, 50 percent uh, democratic and uh, uh, participative, whatever. And and with that influence uh, comes the huge responsibility because the problem is we have fire service leaders who don't want to exert it. It's too much work. The work is not a four-letter word, it, it, except for some people in the fire service who are in positions of authority. Again, won't use the word leader because it takes a shit ton of work to exert that influence on Smith, on Jones, on eight, you know five, six, ten different members of your crew each and every day to get them what they need. Do they? Does this one need more training? Does this one need a hey? I got to take him for a walk around the firehouse because he is on a bad path. Do I need to sit him down in the office? Hey, how's your family doing? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, it's this one's birthday next week. Exerting that influence is a lot of effort. But if it's done well, if the art of it is done well, that's when you have that small unit environment that is highly functional and it displays itself. Here's the the final point. If if you do that in the firehouse, it displays itself on the fire ground all day long. Dysfunction in the firehouse will display itself on the fire ground and that small unit environment that you foster or don't is the root for that success or failure on the incident. Well, it's the human factor, right? There's a human factor to it. 
it's all human factors. Everything you mm -hmm. do is a human factor, or it's mm -hmm. about the human factor. Uh, uh, what was it? Humanizing the small unit. Adding the human factor into a small unit leadership is uh, the key. So yeah, that's everything. You know, you, you got to give people the reason to follow you. You have to, um, they have to know that you care, right? It's just like your parents. Think about a really good officer that you had that you just respected the shit out of. You're like, man, I want to be like that guy. I want him to respect me. And the weird thing or the interesting, interesting thing about it is it all goes back to human nature, right? Interactions with others. Um, it's going to come back to, you know, your interaction with other people or the, your interaction with individuals may be much different or will be much different than each other, right? You're not going to have the same interaction between two people. So that goes into that whole thing about um, personal power versus positional power. So, you know, if Mark is my captain, I'm going to follow Mark because I respect Mark. Mark and I have been through a lot of stuff together. Mark, Mark treats me pretty good. And we're going to go through this hairy situation that this is pretty bad. I don't know if I want to do this, mm -hmm. but Mark says we're good. We can handle it. And I'm going to follow him. If he's not worried, I'm not worried. It goes right back to that theater thing, right? Just as much theater as it is reality, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to follow him because I trust him, right? That's one thing. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference in what the other side of that is positional power. Mark's going to say to me, pull that hand line and put that fire out, right? That situation, if I don't trust you, you scream. You seem to have a mask problem. You, I have not seen you in a fire. We always seem to disappear and show up when the fire's out. I don't know. Um, yeah, Captain, I don't feel safe doing that. Because mm -hmm. that's the catch, or that's that that um, uh, universal ripcord. Yeah, I don't feel safe. That doesn't look safe to me. That's illegal. That's immoral. Whatever it is, those are the those are that's the ripcord, right? That you can mm -hmm. you can uh, default to. So, or I could look at it and go, oh, all right. You think we're good? Are we good on this? Yeah, you know, Mike, we're good. All right, Mark, I got you. Um, yeah, let's go. Yeah. You, and you said it, trust. Trust is the ultimate currency. And and you've hit on it. It's based on your competence. It's based on your confidence. It's a. It's based on, it wraps everything up. Your ability to listen, your ability to communicate, all the soft and hard skills that you bring to the table. Everything about you as a leader is about building trust. The second you destroy that trust, you don't have that small unit. They're gone. They they, they Because then in that moment, because fundamentally... What are we asking in our craft, in our trade for those exact moments you talked about when it matters the most, when things are going to be sketchy? There is no question. That's what our mission set is. And if in that moment that trust isn't there, that failure occurred, that means that they because they, they'll do exactly what you said. Oh, I don't know. Not not digging this. And that's different than that's a completely different idea than crew resource management, where the member has a genuine concern. There's something that could be going on. I go back to Seattle as an example. Mm -hmm. um, at that at that time, uh, that that failure of trust is not the same as a failure of, uh, of of a tactical decision that needs to be made, and it that's 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 failure at its at, at its root. Sure. And you know, the thing is, though, trust is something that takes 
time. So chemistry is over time. Leadership is over time, right? It's not going to happen overnight. It's just like any other relationship. You don't mm -hmm. meet someone, get married the same. Well, I mean, I guess if you go to Vegas, you could. It never ends well. But uh, I, I say I say that to joke. But um, you know, it 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 doesn't happen overnight. Yes, you know, the, the 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 best the best um, you know marriages um, relationships you know are things over time. Yes. Right. So think about chemistry, right? There's there. I mean, where I work now at bear break it pops and it's, everyone knows exactly what they're doing. I really mm -hmm. don't have to say a lot. I may say things to confirm we're on the same page. I may guide maybe a little bit of cheerleading, maybe a little bit of coaching. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. You, you fill those voids like the little scrubby, right? Mm -hmm. The little scrubber thing on, on the curling analogy. I don't necessarily need to be there when, when you give it a good throw. I'm just there to guide. So I'm, like I said, I don't need to tell Bill to pull a handline. I know Bill's pulling a handline. Hey, 300, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, all right, cool. Got it. Gotcha, LT. I know he knows what to pull. He knows I know he knows what to pull. Mm -hmm. But it's communication. But you can still, like I said, pop that break and everyone will be doing whatever it is. And all I'm doing is orchestrating. You're just, you're just the... Um, conductor of the orchestra right mm -hmm. so trust and chemistry um happen over time and trust will come with time mm -hmm. don't rush it uh just like any relationship in the world everyone has to put in a hundred percent so you know you have to care you have to show the guys that you love them and um you know most of all you're off the fire ground more than you're on it. So your biggest tests, your biggest challenges, your biggest arena to prove your ability to ability to lead will always be in the firehouse. It always will yep. be. And you have to care about these people because there is there is some and I don't I'm going to try and put this into words so please follow along with me. Uh -huh. um, Little things. Hey, man, how's your kid doing? Uh, mm -hmm. Hey, it's your birthday next week. I didn't say anything about my birthday. Oh, shit. Like, I knew it was my birthday. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I don't know. Hey, man, um, we made jambalaya for dinner. Your birthday's next week. We're off. It's your favorite food. Happy birthday. Here's a cake unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Small little things. They freaking eat it up. They love it. And... Those may not be the greatest examples, but you know no, what? No, those are. That, think about a relationship. Think about the relationship with your spouse, your significant other, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is. Those little moments matter. They build the relationship. Those are huge, dis, disproportionate moments because they do seem like small things, but that exactly what you said. That's right. what relationships are about. And that is what, you know, at the end of it, how you build trust, that, that relationship that you're building is with those small things then that allows for the big things if i could go back to one thing you said though i just heard this the other day so when you said a hundred percent uh that you have to give a hundred percent that's true we want to give a hundred percent but you know what you have a rough day maybe you went a few rounds with a significant other somebody's sick at home sure. you didn't sleep whatever you're showing up at 50 percent. you're showing up at 40 percent. Sure. 
the the success of that small unit environment that you foster, that you build, that you constantly work on, work being a keyword, work on, means that when you show up with 50, your your crew knows it. You they know because you're allowed to have a bad day too. And now That's they're gonna work harder. They're they're gonna work harder because they know, hey, the LT's having a rough one. He, you know, there's some things going on at home, the mother is sick, the dog died, whatever it is. Sure. They know that you're you're not at 100, and they can pick that up. That is also yeah. critical. Sure, and it's just like a it's just like a rugby game, right? You're running, you're running, right? Life, shit, whatever mm-hmm. it is, it hits you. You toss that, you pitch that ball back. Your team's your team's got your back, and they keep going because mm-hmm. the at the end of it, the goal is over there, right? Yep. They get hit, they throw the ball. He keeps going, and yep. the ball drops, right? The ball's totally dropped. What do they do? They do a scrum. But what happens during the scrum? Everyone is together. You have each other's backs. You're holding them. You're holding them. No one person can do that alone, right? You can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can't have that much strength and power without everyone. And you push through. You grab the ball. You get control. You pick it up. And you go. And you hit the goal. You're done. Mm-hmm. You score. The objective compl- mission complete. Whatever right. that mission is. So, um, we're hitting that one hour mark almost exactly. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good place to stop. Um, we need to do a part two. I think there's more that we didn't touch on that we really, <laughs> we really, really need to get into. Yeah. Um, before oh, we go, is there anything that you wanted to talk about, or is there anything you wanted to, that we didn't cover that you wanted to hit real quick? Or? Well, I, when we first talked, you, you said, "Hey, what are two things you'd you'd want to tell yourself as a new officer, or to a new officer, or leader?" Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And, it, and I'll hit these two things real hard because I did give it some thought, and you know, you look back at your leadership path that you've been on, and like I said, there's a lot of fails that that got me to a point where I'm comfortable where I'm at and, and how can I pass sure. it on, get those ripples in the palm for somebody else. So Very I would say that, success. yeah, well, that's part of it. That, that genuinely, yeah. you build yeah. on that. Oh, yeah. But um, there, there were two things. The first one is something I talk about, which is a gaff meter, a give a fuck meter. Your, your gaff meter has to be pegged constantly. And you use the word love. Uh, it, it, it's hard, especially in our industry to, to use that. It's like, Ooh, icky, good dude, get away from me. But it, it, that's what it, that's what it boils down to is that you, if you don't want to use the word love, then just stick to, I give a fuck. I give a fuck about the craft, the trade, what I do, how I'm perceived, what I'm going to do, everything. Cause that will drive you. That will give you your work ethic because you don't want to fail those people you give a fuck about that you're responsible for. The second thing, the second thing is what I believe is the most difficult word to pronounce in the fire service. No, no, N-O. It's, it's two letters, one syllable, and yet it is so incredibly difficult for us to say it as leaders. Part of it is because of the way we're organized. In the military, when you get promoted, you get shipped to the other side of the world to a group of people you don't know, don't know you, never heard of you. It, it, you know, social media era may be a little different, but in our world, you're going from one company to the other company, different shift, whatever, but people know you. And that speaks to why you need to build a strong path early. But once mm-hmm. you get into that point, just because you've worked with people, you know them, you have a relationship, you have to understand you've changed. There's, yeah, you, you, you drink the Kool-Aid and every now and again, you have to say no. Sure. Well, I don't think it's, I mean... Maybe this is uh, 
I mean, I'm not going to completely disagree with you with the Kool-Aid mm-hmm. part. I, I think drinking the Kool-Aid gets misinterpreted with change of responsibilities and expectations. I agree. Right? So, I mean, could you go drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah, you can go drink the Kool-Aid and do it absolutely terrible. But mm-hmm. you're not drinking the Kool-Aid if I have expectations and you don't like my expectations. You don't like that I'm accountable and now I'm holding you accountable. I'm saying no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not my problem. It's your problem. And yeah. you need to be able to have the ability to do that. You need to be able to have the ability to understand that no is okay to say. And you know what? If they don't like it and you're correct because you don't want to be incorrect because then yeah. you're going to look like an idiot, that's their problem, not yours. And it, yeah. you just to, it's just like a kid, just like your kid. No, you don't like it. Well, I mean, it's your problem. I don't care. So, some of our people internalize that. They don't, they, uh, they're my friends. No, they're not. Your friends, if they're true friends, will recognize that you have changed. You are now responsible. Yep. You have ultimate responsibility, which they don't even begin to understand or have forgotten about. You're, yep. If they were your friends, they would give you that pass and say, yeah, hey, he's saying this got to get done. It's going to get done. Those people that you know are not your friends. And if they start to question you, they don't have respect for you and you need to evaluate your friendship. Yes. Exactly. So, so that's um, it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's, and you know, the other thing too is it, it, this, it takes a village, right? You got to take something from everyone. You got to pick things up. You got to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, find a way to, you know, bring things together from different things. So with that, um, this is something I'm going to kind of take from a guy, uh, his name's Stack. He does the objectionable, objectionables and the things we carry podcasts. Smart mm. dude, mm. freaking mm-hmm. sharp. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yep. Big mental health guy, mm-hmm. just an overall great human being. And uh, I've done two podcasts with him as a guest. I need to get him on here. Really need to, actually. But um, one <laughs> of the things he always asks, he talks about, and he's asked me twice, you know, what are you reading? Right. And I never thought about that. And I'm like, man, I read shit all the time. Like, it's pretty smart. Maybe I need to add that in. So with that being said, leaders are readers. Mm-hmm. What do you got? What are you reading? What are you, uh, what are you into right now? And uh, go with that and we'll close this out. Uh, my, my mom, uh, uh, who's completely non-military in every way, shape or form, has become smitten with Admiral McRaven. And he just put out a book. Uh, the uh, Wisdom of the Bullfrog. Wisdom of the Bullfrog. Thank you. Uh, and she sent it to me. I just got started on it. Uh, you know, there's, there, there's, uh, we are paramilitary in nature. So I am not one of those people, even though I come from the military is like, whatever the military does is next level. Awesome. They have failures like everybody else, but I, I'm already digging the book because of one part where he says, if you're going to be a shepherd, you got to smell like the sheep. And that's a quote from, uh, one of the, uh, one of the, I believe Pope Francis or somebody that he internalized. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that I dig that. I dig that phrase. So yeah, if you're going to smell, if you're going to be a shepherd, you got to smell like the sheep. Yeah. You got a small unit leader. That's the gig. You're in the, you're in the trenches with the troops. You're not a CEO. You're not running a fortune 500 company. You're, you're in it. Sure. What else you got? Anything else? Any other books? Or is it just uh, that's the most combat? recent one. That's the most, most recent, recent one. one. Yeah. I, 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 oh geez. I could, um, no, no, no. That, that's, I mean, that, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, yeah. A, a great book, audio book that, um, it'll, t- for me, it took me, uh, three shifts to listen mm. to it. Cause I have like an hour and a half drive there and back mm-hmm. I've listened to it several times. Um, it's probably the best book. I think one of the best book on leadership. Um, it's, and the other one I would recommend to you and the listeners would be, um, one bullet away, make a Marine Corps officer by Nate Fick. Um, okay. it talks about the humanity side, like the human element, which is oh, what digging it which is why 
the military and I'll, I'll send it to you why yeah. the, why the military stuff has such a translation into the fire service because both started hundreds and hundreds of years ago and they're parallel with each other but the one thing that's consistent amongst the two are human beings leading human beings that need to care for them have compassion be firm but also get them to their goal so yeah. mark this has been fantastic thank you don't go Not anywhere sure. you're welcome don't go anywhere while i close actually real quick uh mm -hmm. do you have social media is there anything anyone can follow you do you do any kind of teachings like any any of that stuff do you do you have uh all that yeah oh, uh I, I i run a facebook uh post called mission first people first uh a, a facebook group i should say uh, mission first people first uh i Hit me up on that. I, I post stuff uh, through the other platforms. I do teach on small unit leadership, developing officer development training programs, tactical stuff, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, I really haven't put in for anything over the last couple of years. I'm just hitting places that hit me up. But, uh, you know, I, as uh, I get through this phase of my life, I'm hoping to get back into it in a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, I, if anybody wants to hit me up and has questions, I, I love reaching out to people and, and, uh, provide my two cents, uh, from, you know, pitching in from the cheap seats. So, uh, feel free to hit me up. Awesome. All right. Don't go anywhere while I close this out. And, um, you know, everybody, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Please leave us a review and share us with your friends, your colleagues and all that. Give us a five-star review. It's our favorite and uh, tip of spear leadership. Be present, be yourself, be unstoppable. Thanks guys. Appreciate it and have a great day. Mm -hmm.